Welcome to the Ice Lab Podcast. We are your hosts, Michael Marinero and Trent Michaud. We are going to take you deep into our labs, as well as many different high-performance professionals we've connected with on our journey as we strive for excellence. Welcome to another installment of the Ice Lab podcast, Mr. Marinero. How are you, man? I'm good. How about you? How is Las Vegas? Las Vegas was pretty fun, man. Uh, didn't have quite have the skates that we wanted, unfortunately, but uh, lots of good things to take out of it. Ready to get back to work. We're back on the ice today. Uh, it's the 26th. It's Tuesday. We're back on the ice, changing some things around. Uh, getting ready to go. Got uh, two full weeks of training before we head to Japan, and uh, we're just going to keep going up and up. Uh, Vegas is pretty dope, Mike. I can see why you like it there, buddy. It's pretty entertaining. Yeah, it's uh, quite a bit of fun. Eh? A little something for everybody. doesn't matter if you're five years old or 80 years old, gambling or not gambling. There's uh, something for you to do there. So uh, you were sending me Snapchats all week, all the fun you were getting into. I was, I was quite jealous here. Uh, getting to bed early, sitting, sitting at home, watch it, watching all your messages fire in. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. And as uh, everybody probably knows, I'm a massive Leafs fan and I wanted to go to a Knights game because I love hockey. Uh, they were not obviously playing the Leafs. They were playing the Islanders, but I do have to say that arena is absolutely amazing. Uh, like inside and out. And the, it's just a party and entertainment the whole time. It's crazy. Yeah, it's one of the best uh, sports experience in the world, even comparing to the uh, European uh, football games for a fan experience. It's supposed to be uh, rated uh, number one in, in the world. Yeah, it was crazy. There's literally always something going on. Evelyn went with me. She's not like a, she likes hockey, but she's not going to go to a game and just sit and watch hockey like we, like we would. And she's like she had a great time. And like she said, it's just literally it's just entertainment the whole time. You don't even need to like hockey and you have a good time. So. Uh, it was pretty awesome, uh, but yeah, ready to get back to work, get on to the next one, and keep going up. Uh, how was your week? How was training? And uh, you had a big disc golf tournament on the weekend at the home course? Yes, uh, training was good. Uh, one week out, uh, or last week I was one week out, I guess, from Skate Canada, leaving tomorrow, just uh, getting the final touches on the suitcase right now, getting ready to zip it up to hit the plane uh, tomorrow. Uh, finished the uh, disc golf season off uh, with the final uh, tournament of the year uh, home course here in uh, Oakville had my uh, best place uh, finish in the intermediate division uh, battled all weekend long for a, a second place went uh, went very well let's go buddy and uh, yeah I was literally at the where was it where, I was looking at it the whole time I just kept checking on your score all day long Literally the entire time texting you in between every time I see a birdie or a bogey, I'm like, let's go get it back together. Don't be scared of the putt. Yeah, every tee box, I was getting the messages from Trent, getting the encouragement. Uh, thanks uh, all the way from Vegas, uh, caddying me through. Appreciate it, buddy. Always got you, man. Always got you. So uh, our guests today were also in Vegas. Big congratulations uh, to uh, Nick and Laurence as they uh, medaled with the uh, bronze medal in the ice dance event. Let's go. Um, yeah. Also, on top of that, they are, were also three-time Danish champions, Canadian bronze medalist, and Grand, obviously Grand Prix medalist. Uh, welcome to the podcast, guys. 
Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. Awesome. So uh, I obviously said it. You guys were are not only uh, you were Danish champions and you're also Canadian medalists. Let's uh, for our listeners that don't don't know. Um, let's talk about your journey together. Uh, let's go right from the start, you know, with skating, where you guys are from and everything. And then let's just, yeah. Go ahead. Um, I was going to say for Laurence to go ahead because I can sometimes be very lengthy in my, in my responses. So <laughs> I all started in 2012. So it'll yeah. be, it'll be 10 years and the end of, this is our 10th season together. Um, <clears throat> we had actually... We teamed up in May 2012, and I had skated for Denmark the previous years. I mean, I'm from Denmark. I was born and raised in Denmark, moved to Canada uh, when I was 21. Um, and um, when time came around to it, actually, we kind of we we had planned to compete for Canada uh, off the get go, and um, had missed the deadline of me passing my gold dances in order to compete in senior for Canada that year. That was a new requirement in 2012, I think. Um, and we were like six days late and we got the, we got the, email. We, so like on the 7th of October or something, we got an email from Petsonesh saying, you got to do, if you want to skate for Canada, you have to, you have to pass the dances. It's already late, but I think we can still make it. Maybe they'll give you like a, exemption a, a, or an exemption or something. And then, so we did the, the, the gold test, which was obviously just like, you know, it, 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 that was not really the challenge, right? But um, we did it. We sent it into Skate Canada, and and Mike at the time he he was like, well, no, sorry, it's six days after the deadline, so uh, you can't compete for Canada this year. Um, so then our first our first season together finished being just a training season. Being just a training season, yeah. and we were like, okay, well, I guess um, that plan uh, they must not really want us, so let's go for Denmark. And that's what we did. And uh, yeah, that's how we, that's actually why we, we, we skated for Denver to begin with. It's a funny story. No, not a lot of people really know um, <laughs> that that happened. Uh, and then, you know, Laurence had done Junior Grand Prix for Canada. So anyways, that year she couldn't compete internationally um, for, for Denmark. That's why Laurence mentioned it became a training season. We were not doing anything uh, besides we went to Denmark for like a, the Danish, show. The show. We did at, a show at the at, at nationals. At nationals. Danish we weren't nationals. really ready to compete, and um, and then yeah, it just took off from there. You know, uh, we quickly um, started doing internationals the following year for Denmark. As I don't know if most of people know, but ice dance is not really a thing in Denmark. I think there's been like three other pairs before us, but all at different times. So never more than one team at the time. Uh, which meant it was easy, you know, to be sent to international competitions. You don't have to compete against anybody to get sent out. So we did uh, our first world championship in 2014. 14? Uh, I don't know. I think so. Right after Olympics, it was in Japan, first one. Um, didn't even qualify for the free dance. I think we finished um, 20, 29. 29. Uh, so really, really far back. And then, um, and then it kind of just took off from there the following year. We jumped to uh, 11th place at Worlds from 29th. Wow. Um, not a lot of people talk about it because I think it was Gabby and Guillaume went from 15 to first. But I always say I actually closed more spots than they did. <laughs> I just didn't make it all the way to first. But I, I closed 18 spots in one year. Um, or we did. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's a, another fun little fact. Uh, and by the time 
the 2017 I'm just skipping ahead because I don't I don't want to bother everybody with all the details but by the time we finished worlds at in 2017 four years later four years 14 15 16 17 17 yes which was the qualifier for the 18 games um we didn't really realize we could qualify Denmark for a spot when we started skating together I mean not even we were not skating together and we had the first meeting after the first time we stepped on the ice and he he basically texted me saying do you want to come skate in Gadwa and I didn't even know does that mean skating with you or it means just skating in general he was very he was a different guy back then not really talkative and really inapproachable with his uh a Scandinavian face so and I was really intimidated in, intimidated and I found he was pretty cute so it didn't help um so he said in in our first meeting together he said okay I want to skate till 2018 uh we can never go to Olympics and that's the deal with me I want to be top 10 uh, in the world and then I want to quit skating I was exactly it I said I want to skate six more years till 2018 <laughs> Uh, you can't go to the Olympics for Denmark, and um, I just want my goal is to be top ten in the world. Is that yeah. what I said? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as soon as I'm top ten in the world, I'll stop. I'll be satisfied. Um, that's that's everything. Uh, that's that's all I want. And uh, oh, if you, uh, that's yeah, that's enough. So before this, I'm going back to the beginning again. Before I skated with Laurence, I had signed papers with Skate Canada to skate for Canada with Vanessa Krohn, Paul Poirier's former partner. I actually skated with her for two and a half months and I actually turned down the rounds prior to skating with Vanessa. I had a tryout with the rounds and I said, well, you know, no, thank you, but no, thank you because uh, I'm going to go with Vanessa. Little did I know, uh, I think 10 weeks into that partnership, uh, Vanessa decided that skating was not for her. It was sort of like this thing where she would go home to Toronto every weekend and the weekend would become like half a day longer every week she would come home. So she would like miss first of the first, the half of training on Monday then the next week she would miss the Monday and the following week she would miss Monday, Tuesday and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday until all of a sudden she comes in on like a Thursday, I think it says, Nick, uh, I'm done skating. And I think that it was that day I texted around straight away. Do you want to come to the rink? Our coaches, Marie and Pesh, at that, that day actually told me, they said, Nick, we couldn't really convince you not to skate with Vanessa because of her pedigree and her prior results. And, you know, she had gone to the Olympics for everybody who don't know and she was, I think her and Paul at the time was eight or seventh in the world. I don't remember exactly and doing really well. Um, but Marie and Patch told me we actually wanted you to skate with Laurence. I mean, she fits, the fit is better. The skating style is better. And, um, you know, we think you can skate better together in the long run um, in terms of style. So I picked the phone up, texted Laurence, and we were literally on the ice the day after I've arrived <laughs> and she was learning the choreography for the free dance that I had already finished with Vanessa so I just took her place I, I stepped on the ice and I said okay you're just gonna learn the choreography they had together she was doing this and that and this and this and that and that and that's that's the first choreography I learned with Nick just replacing somebody else um mm -hmm. and I didn't know what I was getting myself involved with like involved in but um I knew I wanted a partner and I knew he was the best I could have ever imagined. He was living and training in my like home country and city. So I didn't have to relocate. 
so that's how we all started. Logistically, it was yeah. very easy also. Very easy. Uh, and here you are, uh, three, almost four years post uh, 2018, and you're still skating together. Nick, what happened still, to the yeah, plan, man? Yeah, and we're not done yet. You know, like I haven't even said, I, I don't even know when I'm stopping at this point. You know, so many people know that, oh, Olympic season will be the last one, and we're just determined to to keep cracking on still for, for a couple of years, you know, so... Um, but like I said, 2017 world championships in Finland was the Olympic qualifier for the 18 games. And we didn't really know we could qualify for the Olympics. I mean, we were, we figured, oh, she's not a citizen. So obviously Denmark won't, we won't be able to qualify Denmark for a spot. And then I remember after the free walking down the corridor, um, uh, with the, around the draw room and saw the paper that was posted by the ISU for the spots allotted for, for worlds and, uh, for Olympics. And Denmark was qualified for one spot as the seventh best nation in the world. And I was like, holy cow, okay, we're actually good enough to be at the Olympics. Because that was another thing, you know, like Lawrence and I were like, can we even qualify? Um, are we good enough? Is the Olympics something that we would be able to mm -hmm. even, even compete in? And that sort of sparked a, an idea about realizing our Olympic dream and what the next steps would be. Um, we obviously tried to to obtain a citizenship for the rounds um, and it just you know I knew that it was not going to be possible I've heard stories from other sportsmen that you know had, had not had an easy time in, in other sports people that were already world champions and 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 or world medalists <clears throat> who were who were kept away from the games because of citizenship issues also so I knew it was really unrealistic and and we just started coming up with a plan. Um, and our coaches straight away said, you know, Nick, you're literally Canadian. You both train and live in Canada. It makes no sense not to, if you, if you guys are committed to another four years and you want to go to the Olympics, let's do it for Canada like we had planned out to from the beginning. Um, <clears throat> and obviously, really, I mean, really grateful for the opportunity to skate for Denmark. I mean, it, it really brought us somewhere. I don't know if we would have been where we are now had we skated for Canada in 2012. Mm -hmm. I think you all know what the roster in Canada looked like in 2012 <laughs> in dance. Yeah. And um, top three in Canada was like top eight in the world. And we, like I said, we were like not even 30th in world at worlds that year. So um, there was a, there was a, we might not have lasted that long, you know, if you keep coming back at nationals and you're like sixth or seventh, because there are so many good teams. And um, so it just, you know, looking back i'm i'm really grateful for how everything turned out you know and, and you have to believe that everything happens for a reason after 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 seeing that mm -hmm. um and uh yeah making that making that choice i think we were both <laughs> we were both very stressed i mean we knew going into the olympic season that we wanted to switch for canada um it was a matter of figuring out when and how and who to talk to in order to make that um happened a reality and Laurence came up and I want to say this is Laurence's uh, genius plan you know she said Nick it's also it's also because in in uh, in skating <coughs> world ranking points are very important for a matter of when you skate in the competition like which flight are you in so it was how making a switch of country is also saying that you're going to take a year off of international competitions, meaning you're going to take a year off of obtaining world ranking points. Um, and we were thinking, how can we do this in order not to lose all our points and not to lose a whole season? Yeah, I think 
the, the way we did it was also just how do you train um, that year without the motivation for, from going to international competitions? How do you keep, um, how do you keep that? How do you keep motivated? The, yeah, the how do you keep that intensity going? You just were it, saying exactly, hey, we're not going right? to compete for you a year, and this is why why we do this is to compete. So it's uh, really hard. How do you keep that motivation up then? Just the the end goal, the end sight. Yeah, no. So actually, <clears throat> obviously, at that point, the the the, the long term goal became very important, uh, and and it became really the only thing we could focus on. But the way that the plan that I was talking about that Uras didn't get to was that we were going to quit in the middle of the season for Denmark after the European Championships, because European Championships, to everybody who don't know, a regular season in, in, in figure skating, you have the European Championships right after that, four continents, and then the, the, the season finishes with World Championships. Um, so by us finishing our international event, being Europeans as the last one, meant that one year from Europeans to Europeans means that we could do the following season, four continents for Canada and World Championships. So in, 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 in essence, you would only really have one half season off from international competitions. And then you could, you know, really make, um, make that national champion, our first national championship for Canada really, really, really count and be, you know, super important in terms of qualification for the championships that come afterwards. Um, so yeah, uh, announcing to, our, to the Danish Federation, sitting down for dinner after the European championships and saying, by the way, uh, we're, we're, we're out of here was very stressful i think it was even more stressful than the competition because we we really loved the the support that the danish federation gave us uh the 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 vice president was there and she was so supportive of us since since a few seasons yeah she had traveled with us everywhere and we felt like we were really letting people down you know by doing this um we hadn't at that moment we had not even reached out to skate canada yet so it was really what you would call a leap of faith you know mm-hmm. um stepping off that cliff that we all know is you know sometimes you get to a to a point in life sort of like a point of no return where you just you, you gotta go for it and whatever happens happens and that was that moment for us you know we said right now we're, we didn't want to go behind anybody's back we didn't want to have a plan set up for canada before we had properly said um goodbye for denmark and i think mm-hmm both Ruans and I, it, it's it's one of our values of respect and truth um, that you have to respect um, proper ways of doing things. And we would rather, you know, be left with no option than having burned bridges and uh, mm-hmm. poor relationships for the future. So, and, and when we told the Danish Federation at, at, at uh, Europeans, you know, there was nothing but support. I think we were all crying at the yeah. dinner table, even the coaches. And uh, they said, we totally get it you guys got to do what you got to do. We know that we cannot um, give you the Olympic dream that, that, that you guys are training so hard for. And uh, we believe in you as athletes and uh, really, this step totally makes sense. And we just want you to succeed. And they released us right away. I mean, a few weeks. Yeah. Later. They didn't give Laurence any, any trouble being released and, and, and not even me either um, being Danish. So it was, it was pretty much um, a very smooth transition. Um, then after that was, you know, the trouble of, uh, financial support and not knowing if you're skating nationally for a country like Canada, our coaches have said, until you have done the results that you need to do, you're not getting um, any financial support, nothing of the sorts. You, you have to basically have saved up for the next year because you have to skate a year without uh, financial support. You're not going to go to competitions. There's going to be no prize money. There's going to be no, you know, anything. And, and that was, you know, another stress factor <laughs> that was, um, you know, quickly resolved yeah. because somehow 
somewhere within Skate Canada, they found a way for us to receive uh, government funding from July 1st, 2018, all the way till you know now and, and, and still going. And we're just forever grateful. Um, we had no idea, you know, even the first year, we hadn't even done a competition for Canada and they invited mm -hmm. us to high performance camp. Yeah, as um, guests. As guests, uh, not part of the national team, obviously, but still, you know, Mike wanted to make that experience uh, come true for us as soon yeah. as possible because they assumed, I guess, that that we would take part in the, in, the, in the subsequent years. And they really considered all the results we have done for Denmark. Uh, and they said, you know, you did it for Denmark, so why can't you do exactly the same for Canada? Um, so that's how basically uh, everything, everything, uh, started so quick and and the transition was really really i must say for us easy because we had not expected to get the amount of support that we got from the day we spoke to skate canada which was like somewhere in march yeah um, early march where we where we were figuring out releases and sending papers between the two federations our coaches were talking to skate canada we were emailing with mike slipchuk and, uh, and yeah, here we are three years later, um, four months from the Olympics, crossing our fingers. And, uh, and then coming back to your question about how we stayed motivated for the season we had off internationally, I have to say that um, we, we knew we were not going to go out of the country, but we actually knew that we, we were going to do nationals, national competitions. So we decided to see the season as, okay, even though we're not going outside, we're going to take, let's say we did summer provincials, we're going to take summer provincials as a challenger series. And then we're going to take... Uh, sectionals, sectionals and divisionals, like our two Grand Prix. It's pretty much the same timing as like, you know, Skate America and, and, and if you do the first and the last or the first and fifth. So we really set up um, the intentions around the competitions that we do have. Um, as it being international events and, and seeing we train with so many teams um, it was really easy to do so because we could always find three or four teams that had an international event the same weekend we were going away and sort of just you know lean into their kind of pace and training and make sure that our um, <clears throat> our timing were, were, were kind of the same and even though we were you know whether it was driving somewhere in Quebec for sectionals or flying to, uh, to uh, Alberta for, for divisionals um, it, it felt, you know, just as real and just as important to us that any international competition would do, because we knew no matter what, you know, we're going to be going out or hopefully planning on going out for four continents and, 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 and uh, world championships come the end of that season. So, so just, it was really just easy to stay as, motivated. Yeah, just making it as a normal season in our, in what we could control and then seeing that the biggest goal was going to be four continents and worlds and it just helped us having those little goals through the whole season to attain what we wanted. Yeah, that's awesome. It speaks a lot about your guys' character. Like, you know, Mike and I know you guys very well. You guys are very respectable people, very goal-oriented uh, goal as athletes are, and you guys had made a plan, and you guys just kept working hard, and now you – now you're here meddling for Canada and it's awesome. We're you guys and like Nick, when uh you said your coaches say you are Canadian, you are definitely Canadian, my man. You uh embrace the maple leaf and you are definitely a fellow hoser, as one might say. <laughs> That's right. And I, I mean I even speak French. 
So I feel like that. Yeah. You got you got that on both Mike <laughs> and I. I'm French Canadian. I'm not saying nobody has to speak French to be Canadian, but I feel like it's just one more step. You got that on both Mike and I, man. <laughs> so yeah. I thought uh, your switch after Europeans was uh, due to injury. Knowing that that was by design, it's absolutely genius. It's that it's was amazing. A brilliant it's idea of so She said that's how we can really capitalize on, on at least having half a season for Canada and, and making sure we train hard for all those uh, national events because they're they mean they're they're what's going to give us the ticket to mm-hmm. four continents and worlds. She's a smart, smart girl there, uh, side. I mean, Nick, uh, she's a very smart girl. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 100%. That's awesome. And uh, so uh, also very exciting news and part of your plan. You are officially Canadian now, Nick. Uh, was that about a month ago now? So just August over a 10th. month? Uh, August yeah. 10th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got my passport September 1st, became a citizen August 10th. And uh, it feels awesome. You know, I... It's been 11 years. I No, it'll be 11 years since I came to Canada first. I came in uh, December 26, 2010. Um, and, you know, like Laurence, I've often told people that people that don't know me and, and, and okay, it always... Okay, I can say it for you if you want. <laughs> no, but it always seems like people are getting passports because of the he, Olympics, especially in sport. And Laurence, yeah. He, he, something very admirable with Nick and I have to say it um, is that he wanted to have the Canadian passport but not only to attain the Olympic dreams he he also wanted to have the Canadian passport because he felt Canadian he felt like he wanted to be part of the culture and he really uh, assimilated um, the whole the whole Canadian vibe and the whole Montreal vibe and um so so he didn't do it only to get the passport to for skating but mainly for life and yeah, i mean i would have done it regardless like people say where do you see yourself in, in, in for the rest of your life and i i i think you know are we gonna um would i be open to traveling around and, and try different places 100 but i often tell people you know canada is pretty spectacular and i think that I tell my parents that I'm not coming home. I'm staying in Canada for the rest of my life. So, you know, it was one of those steps. It was just, yes, it was natural for me to do because of sports 100%, but I would have done it regardless, right? I mean, it's it's something that just makes sense to me. Um, being a part of a, of a country like Canada that really just, uh, how can I say this? Um, honors multiculturalism and people come together to create an awesome place for everybody. Um, it's a beautiful thing to be a part of, and I'm proud to be Canadian, yeah. Did they uh, teach you how to use an axe on your uh, citizenship uh, test there, Nick? Yeah, I'm getting better, you know. I know I broke one, so what Mike is referring to, we went camping, and... uh, (laughs) I love it. Yeah, let's put it this way. I missed a hit, and uh, broke Drew. (laughs) (laughs) Drew's axe. I did repair it, however. It's beautiful, more beautiful now than ever, and uh, it's back. It's back to the rightful owner, yeah. That's awesome. Well, he, you should know how to fix it. You can make knives. That's a pretty cool thing. That's right. That's right. Yeah. For those who don't know, Nick is a side hustler making some pretty awesome knives. Yeah, so it's a it's a it's a hobby. It's an ongoing hobby, I would say. He started, I would say, how about two years ago? 
Oh, if it's it longer than that. Longer than that? Yeah, summer. We were living at my years. we were living at my parents' place at the time, and he was looking at during the winter time. He started looking at making knives on YouTube videos and over started, and over. I started small, sharpening knives. Sure. I was living with Ross's parents, and none of them have a knife that can cut. And I like to cook, and I like to have sharp uh, cookware, and a knife that it's like it's redundant to have a knife if it's not sharp. Why it's also safer for the knife to be sharp than it is for it to be dull. I tried to explain this to people. People don't get it. But yes, just like Trent said, a sharp knife is, is a safe tool. It depends with what, because we <laughs> but I also have, to have share my a fair share of accidents. So Lorenz is here referring to me transporting knives from Lorenz's mom's house to Lorenz's dad's house to sharpen knives at Lorenz's dad's house. Me running out of the door with a knife in a plastic bag and the handle <laughs> being the handle handle hitting the doorway and my knee smashing into the point of the knife um, or my my left thigh and then thereby stabbing myself um, <laughs> uh, pretty pretty deep into the quad uh, and this was like a month at, no this was no, like no, one ten, week ten days before World Championships in eighteen that we weren't doing because <laughs> we were switching. But it just go. It was kind of you know lucky that we weren't training to go to Worlds because I probably would not have gone with a knife deep in the in the left quad. So yeah, you know, uh, interesting accidents has happened. But uh, like you mentioned, I dabble in knife making. Um, so when people ask him when what what like gives you this passion for a knife, we all say it's when the knife finally hit him and thigh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a uh, it's it's mainly I I like to make knives. Uh, specifically kitchen knives because it's a passion of mine and I, I think it's you know it's a beautiful tool that will last for a lifetime if you if you buy a good quality kitchen knife and then everybody who cooks should have a good if, knife. if you take care of it yeah right? you got to take care of it like anything like anything in life it uh nick up on instagram he may uh have a couple for sale well, so <laughs> I sold one knife so far and <laughs> after that one knife sale I've been asked by multiple people. I have this little thing in the way called an Olympic season and training is hard and hammering on hot steel and an anvil after training is not something you really want to be doing every day because it, it, it takes away from, let's say, the part of your day that should be focused on recovering. But um, makes you think yeah. about something else. Though. So I have a little bit of a wait list, but I would encourage anybody who would want a knife to reach out. Definitely. Yeah. I think I'm going to be on that list there, Nick. Awesome. Um, so it's pretty cool. You know, you said it. You you were, came to Canada almost 11 years ago now. Um, you guys skate at one of the most prestigious ice dance schools in the world. And uh, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but Nick, you were actually Marie and Patch's first international student, correct? That's right. Yeah, I would say first international. And I don't know. There was a couple of teams when I first came. They had started their school in September 2010, and I arrived in December. Yeah, yeah that's pretty crazy. That's uh, um, so you know, the school has obviously evolved a lot since then. You know, what has been a big part of staying, being with the school, and what have you seeing it evolve? You know, um, from the coaching aspect and the whole atmosphere. Obviously, it's kept you around for 11 years, and it's uh, working well. But uh, tell us a little bit about I am what is now I am. I think. I think if one thing that we can say about our coaches is that, and for me, when I entered the school, um, they didn't want only to teach skating. They wanted to <coughs> teach us to be better persons, better people, and to just grow as individual. 
um, and not only teach us techniques. So it's something that's really remarkable from the beginning up to now. Yeah, I think what we often forget, right, when when all this is said and done, <laughs> when skating is over, we don't really, you know, we only have who we are. And so they, they've made a point um, about not just developing the athlete, but developing the person as well. Uh, and it's because I, I, I get out, we get asked, or I get asked this and, or anybody who we train with often gets asked this mm -hmm. in, in interviews, you know, how do you keep, um, how do you keep a, a friendly and, 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 and good training environment? And how do you um, keep the animosity at bay that can happen? You know, rivalry is, is real and, and competition is fierce in, in any sport. And, and we train with, you know, out of uh, 10 teams, out of the top 10 in the world, I think we're, we're six or seven teams training together. So it is close, you know, and, and everybody wants to, to beat each other, but it's, it's something since day one. And it, and, and it's really something I have a hard time explaining um, or putting a finger on, but it's something that everybody just knows that there is, there is no room for, 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 for being a bad competitor um, for any sorts of animosity on the ice or any sorts of rivalry in a negative way. Um, anything other than you know cheering on your friends and and making sure that everybody trains the best mm -hmm. is 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 just not accepted and it's kind of unwritten and it's kind of unspoken but everybody gets it you know and the people that don't get it they they either you know end up by getting it or end up by you know moving away for for whatever reasons it, it's as if there is there is no room for that in in, in the space that 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 Marie and Patch have created and I and I will say this because we work with a lot of coaches right we have about like 10 coaches now yeah. um but I will say that Marie and Patch are single-handedly responsible for for creating that energy they were the first mm -hmm. ones there when when I started skating there and I've, I've seen that from I've and I felt it from day one um and you know you'll get a warning you might get two but on the third one, you know, there's this, there's no room for, for, for it's pretty much three times and you're out. And, and it's like this energy that's present there. They don't even have to warn you. You just, it's just, you can't like, you just like know. they say, the, you, you bring to you the energy you, 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 uh, yeah, you surround, you surround yourself, yourself with, the, with, with the energy you want it. And it doesn't just go between teams between like from one team between from one team to the other. It's also, um, within the team. You know, mm -hmm. like there is just, you can't be treating your partner um, poorly and it's, it's all teamwork. And so, um, yeah, just that's really been, I think that's what they built the whole thing on. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how they, you know, it must be just something that comes across in, in their in their way of being. It's, it's so weird. Like it, you just feel it mm -hmm. and there's just no room for that. And it's, it might sound like witchcraft and it might be, I don't know, but <laughs> it's there. And, and I think you can, I, I don't, I speak for myself obviously, but I think you can ask anybody within the school. People have often tried to, to, you know, pry and see if, if there was some drama that, that people could, could, could get into, whether it be journalists or, or film crews and stuff. And, and there is really none, you know, it's not like skating in the eighties or nineties where rivalry was real. And, and you were, I don't know. No batons coming out. Exactly. <laughs> no, uh, not, none of that. So that's the main thing, obviously then it has grown. Now we're, we started being three coaches. Now there's maybe 10 coaches involved. We have all sorts of training, you know, from, from ballroom to ballet to hip hop and, um, and yeah, everything is scheduled, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, 
it's it's quite the quite quite the place. Uh, you guys talk about treating everyone with respect there, including your partner. You guys are dating and have been dating for a while. Uh, can that be a challenge from time to time? I know uh, Nick has his moments. Uh, do you ever get fed up with him and uh, bring uh, some frustration from the ice uh, home with you, Laurence? Um, I would say that being a couple on and off the ice is a huge advantage. Does it bring frustrations from time to time? I definitely have to say yes. Um, but at the same time, it really helps us develop our communication skills and how we can express ourselves to each other and know each other more and communicate better. It's like this whole thing is, I would say, more, more important than not being able to do that. I, I feel myself really um, I'm going to reformulate that again. I feel my <laughs> I feel myself very lucky to be dating my partner because it brings me more than if I was not dating him in a way that I share moments uh, and I'll remember those moments and we can talk about those moments over and over again. Um, I mean, yeah, that's not, and, and I think that's not to say that partnerships where people are not dating. I mean, yeah. you guys obviously trend in mind, you know how it is to be in a partnership where you're not dating and you guys share a lot of memories together and you probably talk about them just as much. Um, <clears throat> but it is special to share that to get with, with, with somebody that you love, even though it'd be, you know, sometimes bad experiences or sometimes, but you know, memories are often nicer in, 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 uh, uh, with another person and, um, and just being there for each other, um, to remind each other when it goes good that if this is this is you should you know acknowledge where you're at and, and also when it goes bad you know it goes both ways and like you said mike it's yes it's frustrations that it's frustrating at times um i would say i'm pretty good at not bringing home the frustrations because yeah. i'm the one that easily gets frustrated on the ice Whereas Varaz easily is not so frustrated on the ice, but she'll bring home my frustrations on the ice a little bit sometimes, you know, because she has to carry that. And so, you know, it's, it's, I think it's normal in any working relationship that sometimes you're not on the same uh, page and you, you, you got to work that, you got to work that out between the two of us. And like Varaz said, you know, communicating it just like, normal life is piece of cake. Like, I mean, yeah. when you can deal with what we deal with and stressful, like you, you guys know, right. When you deal, when you go to competitions and, and making sure communication is, is clear between you and your partner, if you can stay focused and, and cool headed and level headed in those situations, it's pretty easy when you get home to say, ah, yes, I forgot to do groceries and not get angry about it. You know, it's, it's like such small things that are just, kind of irrelevant um, in the big picture that I think has has helped us tremendously. And also in those moments where like it happened many times where I was not feeling great or I had some just like problems and he was there for me at home regarding like talking about skating one skating things and then same thing where he was not feeling great and I was there for him and it really helped that we were we were we were there together and we were able to discuss about it off yeah. the ice in order to go on the ice and feel ready yeah and i mean to get so to circle back uh 
where when you asked if it, it was you know difficult or not difficult or if it was um, a plus i would say the first couple of years you know we really committed to doing the work that it takes to stay in a relationship off and on the ice um and we worked a lot on it um i think it's it's no uh, it's no secret with anybody that lives together and works together and does everything together 24 7 it takes a it takes it takes a lot of work and and but you know if you get out on the other side and, and once you've done the work it's it's really it's surprise it's surprising to most but we often tell people it's really rather easy because it is easy now it wasn't so much in the beginning and it's a commitment to make that work it's it's not just about skating it's about everything but uh once you've you've cleared that it's uh, it's quite cool yeah you know that's a that's a big thing really in anything in a professional sense as a relationships with professional uh people in business or anything is communication you know and if your communication is great you got obviously we know this from communicating with our partners and our coaching team um it runs all the way down but that's just uh there is stuff there there is more to life than just skating sometimes we forget that but uh, you guys are doing a great part at that. <laughs> in stressful situation, we forget about it. Often we forget about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's more than just skating, and now you, and you guys obviously said you put in the work and you have each other, and you guys get to celebrate that more, and it's uh, pretty amazing. I, uh, you know, yeah. to, honestly, it's uh, so good for you guys because, yeah, I could some some frustrating days. It could, I could feel it being hard when you get home, but <laughs> let's say let's put it this way because we also then we also take the same car to the arena and we drive home and and sometimes the car ride can be a little quiet but you know then we get home and then 15 minutes has passed and 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 life goes on you know yeah exactly we have awesome. what you call a car car clearance yeah car clearing so car you clearance. just clear it out of the car yep silence no music no nothing just let it all air out <laughs> i'll give you a little example i'll be in the car and i'll turn the radio on and i was like shut that shit off that's awesome well mike is there anything else oh i just come back in two seconds because nick's chair is creaking no it's okay i'm not i'm not leaning on it i feel like i was ruining your when you were talking before I was doing this and I was like, oh. You're good, buddy. Okay, 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 that's fine. I got one more quick question for Nick. How the heck did you get into ice dance in Denmark without having any peers around you or not visually seeing that growing up as a kid? How did you uh, get an interest sparked in ice dance? Um, this is, a, yeah, this is actually, and good for you for being the first one in 10 years to ask me this because no journalist has ever asked me this question. And it's true that it's it's a, it's a it's an interesting question so and it's actually easy to answer because i started skating when i was six and around the same time i started skating um anywhere between september and december or something um, we were about like 10 people that had started skating at the same time and what they would do back back then in, in the clubs they my club said oh wow okay we have a lot of new skaters we have a couple of skaters that are all really good we'll sort of um, do an evaluation of everybody and see if we can make a new team because there was already all of a sudden there were like nine girls and me and kids that could skate quite well all of a sudden that didn't need to go through the 
what like we call canscape here used to be called uh, learn like dan danscape because it's quite funny in denmark they literally took <laughs> the canadian way of doing it and implemented it because they figured the canadians got it right and they're still trying to this day to do the new canscape so we're, and we were actually back home uh, teaching some coaches about canscape in denmark because they want to keep doing it and we have a new way of doing it in canada to everybody that don't know so um that's another working progress that's a nice but, compliment to the skate canada yeah 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 and i think denmark had worked together with canada for since, since long time and every time we've had an international skater in denmark they've actually been training in, in toronto um uh for all 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 summers and, and stuff like that sent all the way back to in the 70s um so there's always been a link between denmark and canada for sure um but yes so i started skating on a team became best friends with a couple of girls um and we were skating together five days a week um, doing singles. And when I turned 10 in 2000, and 2000, I think, or 2001, our club got a new head coach, um, a guy from Czech Republic. His name is David Blaschek, and he became my first dance coach. He was a dancer. Um, he had done freestyle up until he was like 13 and, and did, you know, whatever you do when you're 13. I think he always told me he did up to triple toe, and that was good enough to become a freestyle coach in, in Denmark, you know, head, head coach in a club, but he had done junior and senior in ice dance um, and saw straight away that I was really good friends with one of the girls and we were always fooling around when we would get on the ice for warm up and skate around hand in hand. And he just saw an opportunity straight away to create a dance team. Um, so really quite simple. The coach that became the head coach in my club was a dancer by and, and, and wanted to create a dance team. So that's pretty much how it happened. Cause you're right. I had never seen dance. Michael Weiss was my biggest idol in the uh, back in the, back in the, back in the time. Yes. Same in, here. Michael in like 98. I was looking at Michael Weiss, like the God, you know? So, um, <laughs> that's, uh, I was, I was pretty, <laughs> pretty dead set on freestyle, but you know, I quickly found out that it was very fun to skate, um, with another person and, 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 you know, have fun doing that. And that's how I started dance, yeah. And then how did you get to really be encouraged by it? Who encouraged you? Oh, yeah. my. So my dad has always been very <laughs> encouraging. He told me, he told me, he said, Nick, you're going to get a world medal one day. And he kept telling me, and I would be really angry. And I was like, Dad, don't do it. Like, you're jinxing it. Don't tell me I'm good. Like, it doesn't matter, you know? Like, I'm just doing this because I love to skate and the medals don't matter. But anyways, he was the one, you know, he was the driving factor in my skating career when I was young. He's the reason I started skating and, uh, yeah. So credit to my dad. That's pretty awesome. Well, buddy, he, he might be onto something, man. You guys are absolutely amazing. You just keep moving up the ranks. You guys have accomplished so much and, uh, very proud to be your friends. We're Thank proud you. to be your Thank friends you. too. We're proud to be your friends. My God. 100%. What is it? Uh, side Nick, Queen side Lola Nick. and side Nick. Side Nick. <laughs> but I, so on Instagram, after this competition, I got upgraded to King by uh, Kirsten, who always calls me side Nick. Because it's Queen Lola that. and side Nick. So I screenshotted that comment. I had it saved. I posted it in my stories. and But she said it might only last a day. So you got to be quick. You, know? <laughs> got you, you got the photo it. proof. It doesn't matter. You, that that <laughs> last right, memory. Photos, photos, photos last forever. <laughs> That's right. That's let awesome. him think whatever he wants, Lolo. Let, <laughs> let him have it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, guys, it's been super awesome to have you guys on the podcast with us. You know, we have already said it. We're, you guys are great friends. Um, like Nick, you are a total hoser, buddy. 
And uh, Thank you. we love you guys so much. So before we go, we got a couple little questions we want for you. So first off, both of you, do you have a book recommendation for our listeners? Hmm. Book recommendation. Ross has one, I think. I have one that I bring with me all the time. No, that's one I was going to say. Oh. The other one. Well, can I say? <laughs> okay, well, you can do whatever. Well, I, I have one that I bring with me all the time in competition. And we can say, I mean, it's both because you're not a big reader. And... No, I'm not a big reader. But this book, I will say, is maybe the book that I've used the most the last couple of years. And the title is? The Champion's Mind. Yeah. The Champion's Mind is uh, one of, I think, the book that we've read the most. And it's incredible because you can just open a page and find something that you can relate to. I would say all athletes should have this book and read this book. Uh, it helped us tremendously, uh, especially in the times where we transition it to Canada. Um, and then even, I mean, even now I had it, I was in Las Vegas with trans and I was still reading it before going on the ice. I always open a page and I step on the ice right away. And it's nice. It's little chapters of a page and a half that just gives you a little boost. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Were you looking on your bookshelf to see if you had it, Mike? I was. He's recommended it to me before, but I do not have it. Yeah. You, well, you guys should both read it. It's uh, or you don't even, and you don't have to read it like one page after the other. But it's uh, it's and I'm not a big reader, so for me to say that anybody should read this is is really true. Awesome. Well, and I could say, I mean, if you want to say this book, I could say another book, uh, which. We both really like you. Read a couple. Yeah. Uh, the power of now is pretty good too, but this is a little bit more spiritual, I would say. Yeah, maybe not for everybody, but I was going to say the until it's over. Too many books. Too many books. Too many books. <laughs> if, you, if you got one, read the champion's mind. Beautiful. Will do. Gonna <laughs> gonna order it on Amazon. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you very much, guys. We're, we're not quite done. We're going to finish up with some rapid fire questions. Just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for uh, taking time out of your day after returning home from Vegas. Uh, I love you guys both. Thanks for letting me stay at your house every time I'm down in Montreal training. Oh, anytime. And Trent, same anytime. thing if ever you come down. Oh, just Trent, let you know. already told me. I think you yeah, we got a plan. In a couple of weeks, so. Oh, okay. No problem. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll just have to buy some special peanut butter, right? The fat, fat. Oh, the fatso. Fatso. Yeah. Fatso. Yeah. We have it for you in the morning. Perfect. Thanks, Laurence. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. So let's finish it off with some rapid fire questions. What is your post travel meal after returning home from a competition? Domino's pizza. Yes. Classic. Classic. Yes. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Uh, who's most like yesterday? That's what we ate yesterday. Yeah, they fucking just said it. <laughs> <laughs> it's clear. It's all good, Laurence. You can you can cut me off anytime you want. <laughs> Not Nick, but you can. <laughs> <laughs> Who is most likely to throw a fit during a game of Monopoly? No, we never play board never games, play but I'm just going to say me throwing fits, it's me. <laughs> just getting, getting, getting mad. Frustrated. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it would be Nick. Nick. <laughs> Definitely Nick. Who is the funniest? Nick. I feel like we're doing like the newlywed game right now. Just yeah. raising the shoes. <laughs> I'm just going to be silent with that, but I was going to say myself. I just didn't want to sound like I was cool and funny. You know? <laughs> 
Um, who is more likely to forget a birthday or anniversary? Nick. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Has he? If, the, if these questions all apply to negative traits, it might be negative. <laughs> <laughs> well, who is more likely to be late? Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I might know the answer to this one too, Mike. <laughs> I think so. Which one of you did more gambling last week in Vegas? That was me. That was, <laughs> that was Nick too. <laughs> and that's to say that I don't gamble, but when I'm in Vegas, I would I like to play a little bit, you know. <laughs> of course, you have to. That's right. Awesome! Thank you guys so much for jumping on here with us. There's no uh, other question for me. <laughs> Just make one up. Who's the prettiest? What? There you go. Oh, <laughs> got that one. You got one, Mike? That that was my question, but we didn't have to ask it because it was obvious. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Awesome. Anytime. All right, guys. Well, uh, in case so we don't talk to you beforehand, good luck. You guys are going to Russia next? We're going to Kappa Austria in two weeks. Cup of Austria. Uh, Cup of Austria, right. Our yes. Ice challenge. And then we're going to Cup of Russia with Kirsten and Mike. Yeah. Yay. Yes. Cup yes. of Russia with Mike and Kirsten. Yeah. So gee. Nice. Well, good luck there and at Cup of Austria. We'll be watching. Super excited. Um, you guys are always super fun to watch. So can't thank you enough for jumping on the podcast with us. And uh, we'll catch you guys soon. Thank, thank you, you for so having much, us. Thank it you. was awesome to be with you guys. Yeah. And thank Trent. You. And Mike, good luck for Skate Canada and NHK. Thank you. Thank you. And I will see you in a couple weeks in Russia. I can't wait. Yes. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Ice Labbers. So Ice Labbers get to work in your labs and peace and love and be kind to one another. Right on. This episode of the Ice Lab Podcast was produced by Trent Michaud and Michael Marinero. Music produced by Hugo Schwinnard. If you haven't already, share with your friends and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at Ice Lab Podcast for more information and to stay up to date.